Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating. We can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to. Or we could start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option and I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven-figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people and I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me. And I was like, so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test. And then I got a job with a major mortgage company. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me. Cause I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like is it gonna come into my life do I what am I gonna do about this to being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings and I think one of the big changes that I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account I still believed that I was abundant I still believed that money was gonna flow into my life I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was gonna come so I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario you can step into that next version of you and that next version of you that higher self version of you she's not that far away as you think i think she's just there's just garbage in the way and it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results it's something i'm super passionate about and i hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram's the shit show my 20s dm me and love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that today's guest is andre i love chatting with him andre is a relationship coach NLP coach, educator of effective communications, as well as a published writer, public speaker, and ordained minister. He grew up in Canada, and while he was on vacation in Los Angeles, he was scouted and became a professional. He got an agent, auditioned, and booked work that led to a life of unforgettable experiences, dancing with legends such as Michael Jackson, Prince, and many others. He met his wife and then settled in LA where they opened AP Auto Body. By 2006, they had two beautiful kids and he then attended a workshop called Understanding Women. 
He then studied and learned from some of the biggest relationship masters, such as Dr. Pat Allen, Dr. Esther Perel, Dr. John Gray, and many others. And he found that this knowledge needed to be spread. So we go into so many incredible things about relationships. We go about why society and the way we think keeps us single. We go into why we think men do not want to commit, what men don't understand about women and what women don't understand about men, and so much more. So excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Andre, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. In my 20s as a young man, you mean like life as a young man? Yeah. Oh, good lordy. You're getting all the way back there. You got it. So I'm born French-Canadian, speaking French. So as a, as a, as a teen, I, right before that, because my 20s were interestingly built, you know, through my teens, I ended up, I was, I went to a private uh, high school and I was the kids that didn't fit in. It was a kid that women didn't see. I was awkward with men and women. It was just sort of circumstances from my childhood and sort of being the oddball from this age and really kind of looking in the world like, why am I here? I don't belong here. From from the age of five, it was interesting. Like I just always looked at the world like, I don't belong here. I, was born, I actually believed at five, I came to this uh, revelation when I could put my thinking with my feelings at five that I was actually born in the wrong family. Something ter- something terribly wrong had happened. And these were not my people. And I couldn't relate to them. They didn't like me. And also at the age of five, I kind of became very, very aware of everything around me just out of survival. Like, I just like, how is this possible, right? How can you be born in the wrong family? Five years old. Like, it's mind-blowing. It's extremely hurtful and also very scary. So I could disappear. Nobody would notice type thing. I'm five. So I became like, my radar kind of did one of these. And I started watching the world and people and trying to first understand how that's actually possible but like what the hell is going on here right so i became really really aware so i became a watcher of human beings and it's become my life i became fascinated with the human condition and how do people do this and how do you turn like this and how can we be neighbors and i think life is an amazing thing and my neighbor across the street thinks people are hell you know life is hell people are crappy everybody's trying to screw you like like you know what i mean like so we, we filter lives through experiences and to me that's fascinating how 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 and the stranger the person as a rule the more attracted i was to them like you go right to them because i'm extroverted so i talk to anybody and they go right to me go hey you know how i just seen you here before like <laughs> and they they the bigger they want to be re- repulsive the more i find out that actually like cream puffs and it's a facade to keep people away from them because actually super sensitive it's bikers you know scary guys you go up to them and they're creep up you know it's it's, anyway so fascinated with the human condition but it was the oddball and the guy that was always on the outside couldn't fit in anywhere and and really strange you know as a kid you want to fit in well that this did not fit anywhere like this did not work anyway but i was watching and i was watching so in high school i went to this private high school and it was such a fancy schmancy kind of setup that for pe physical education i was a swimmer because you do that alone and i love the water because it made me feel like i was in the womb it's very interesting just i get isolated and I love, you find me at the bottom of the pool just sitting there between like laps be at the bottom of the pool just like a different world you know what i mean so cool anyway in pe in high school you could take ballroom lessons ballroom dancing class as an option you could actually sign up for it and a young girl came up to me at the beginning of the year like, oh my god oh my god we need you want to do ballroom? you want to do ballroom right and i'm like wow i didn't even know she goes we have to sign as a couple otherwise i can't sign up for class i really want to take ballroom and i'm like at first i didn't know she 
she knew I existed. She remember she knew me from somewhere. I, I had no idea. She was this tall. She was the cutest little thing. We we're teenagers, you know. And I remember my first thought, Baru, that's so weird. And my first, my second thought was, wait, I don't have to change. We're in Canada, right? We're in Montreal. It's freezing all the time. So even the locker room to change to get, you know, to get a new suit, to get the water, and to get, right? it's always cold. But I'm thinking, I don't have to change. Yes, sure. And then I'm thinking, like, she's adorable. I get to hold her in my arm. Geek, you know, geek dude here. Absolutely. So I'm trying to make this story short, but it's layered. So we get to the first class a week or so later. And now this is a surprise to me. I'm a geek. I fit nowhere. And I'm awkward. But I put, the, you know, I get her in my arms. And the teacher's first class, right? So whatever the teacher is teaching, I can copy like this. I just, I could just copy it. Like, it's just there, which is like, well, that's kind of cool. Like I could do it like this. I just I see it ahead of enough that he you would get he would get frustrated. He's like, dude, can you struggle a little bit? You make me look bad here. Like and but I became his assistant. And so it was interesting for the guy that was good at no nothing and could fit anywhere, all of a sudden is a stud in class because all the girls love a guy who dance. Wow, well that's cool, right? So I go from geek to like the teacher's assistant to have like you know 30 girls in my arms left and right throughout the class because I'm helping him because I'm as good as he is. Crazy stuff. That was a gift from God. It's something I didn't know I had. So that took me literally for a kid that was sad and fit nowhere this stuck to me like you know white on rice and that became my career i ended up I ended up you know a dance at ballroom dance through after <clears throat> through high school and then we actually got in, I got involved in the national ballroom association of you know back east competitions i was on the edge of that where we go to like big dance competitions and ballroom and the big gowns and because i was one of them this is this i love this and that was my career however there was this, i was in montreal quebec city actually and uh my family life fell apart completely as a teen and so i ended up having to just go so i took off and i wanted to go as far as i could but i'm canadian so i fly to vancouver on the other side of canada you know away from the snow which is I always hated. And I get to the West Coast and there's no ballroom anywhere. It doesn't exist. It was such a huge trend. The reason why I was in high school is because everybody ballroom danced in those years back then. Every club was a ballroom club. Amazing. And so I get to the West Coast, nothing. Wow. And I had a roommate who, a girl, who said to me, you need to dance. This is new blood. This is not cute. This, you have to dance. Like, this is you. And so the fact that you're not doing it is terrible. Anyway, so I'm like, yeah, okay. But I did not there's nothing that I do here. So one Saturday morning, she dragged me to class. I found a studio where they did jazz, you know, jazzercise, jazz dancing, like jazz hands. And I remember watching a class and I remember, this is not what I do. And this is hard. They stretch. They take 40, an hour to stretch before they even start dancing. You know, they don't couple dance. You have to whatever. I'm like, it's interesting. But anyway, so she ended up dragging me one Saturday morning. She literally pulled me out of bed and said, we're going to dance class. I'm like, okay. And so do the jazz class. And I couldn't, I remember I couldn't walk for a week. It was so sore because I was trying to keep up with the legs up and the stretch. And, and I literally was paralyzed for a week from the pain. And that's what actually lit me up. I'm like, this is hard. And I love the challenge. I love to be challenged. So I get back to class, went back to class. Anyway, so long story short, I became a commercial jazz dancer. I never paid my training. I got scholarship after scholarship after scholarship. It was crazy. And they, they, they pulled me into like the ballet world because the structure of ballet is the basis of everything. Free training, free coaches. It was incredible. Like, because apparently I was built for it all. I, was, I have the perfect frame, the feet to turn out the legs. And the size, the weight, I was just been, I was built for it. So studios always shortened men. They would they, they would take care of the men. They would train them. anyway. So made a <laughs> made a life out of this. Moved moved to Los Angeles. It was always a dream to live in the sun. And on a vacation to Los Angeles, my girlfriend, I actually get scouted and get picked up and get hired. It's here. We have two days. My home, my very own Hollywood story. And I'm a commercial trained jazz dancer. 
at this point, you know, like the stuff you see on television is very athletic, very demanding, you know, it's not cute, it's not pretty, it's not sweet, it's in your face, kind of really athletic stuff. And there was like, and I was choreographing doing my own stuff. Anyway, so I get scouted at a party, a dancer party, and this old gentleman, you know, comes at me and says, look, I'm doing this in a, in a national show, and I lost one of my male dancers four months ago i've been auditioning this whole time i can't find anyone in los angeles to replace him you are exactly what i'm looking for i'm like oh at a party crazy i'm like okay and so you know are you interested i'm like well i'm here on vacation i'm canadian because i don't care he goes i'm interested i go well what's the job he goes <laughs> the chippendale dance review male strippers and of course dancers can be very snooty right i'm like oh, I am not a stripper. I'm a professionally commercial jazz dancer trained like for you know like years to become that guy. I'm not a stripper. I understand that I look like one. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> and I'm super fit because of dancing, right? Like that kind of stuff. And he goes, All right, I, I hear you. I hear you. You know, he says, But like, uh, how much money are you making being a commercial trained jazz dancer right now? I'm like, Well, damn, damn. He goes, Look, I need you. You're exactly what I'm looking for. This is on a Saturday night at a party at the studio. He goes, we start rehearsal on Monday. We're in town for three weeks, and then you're on the road for three months at a time. Talk to my girlfriend, and she's like, dude, go. It's your life. So I end up on the road with Chippendales for like a year and a half. Time of my life. Talk about shit show. Think about this for a second, though. Go from eek, eek, right? So looking like this, so looking like this, to get hired to dance in front of women, you know, two shows a night because we're on the road. So we tour up and down the, the East Coast. Two shows a night. Five nights a week, two thousand women per show. Sex, drugs, rock and roll to make you this. I think that's how my hair got curly. I think like this, <laughs> like an incredible, incredible, incredible fun time for a guy who was always on the outside to be now on the spotlight and like the envy, if you want to put it that way. There was only fifteen of us in the entire group traveling. You know, there was like twelve dancers. There was twelve dancers and the crew and whatever. So almost fifteen of us traveling by bus, tour bus, and so everywhere like. 2000 were in the show twice a night, I'm just saying. Like, and back in those days, in the hotel is part of our contract, but back in those days, every every hotel had a, a nightclub. Every hotel had a disco, if you want to call it. Now they don't have this. Everybody's, now there's a bar in every hotel, but back then it was a club. So after the second show, we go upstairs and change and come back downstairs and we'd sign the calendars, we'd sign their t shirts, we'd sign their bras, we'd sign their boobs, we'd take whatever. So because everybody had been drinking, the women have been in there for the first show since 3 p.m. Just trying to stand in line to get the good, the good seats. So, but the hotel, not crazy, not we feed him alcohol from the get go, standing in line. So, by the time we got in down to the club at 11 30 midnight, they were all out of their minds. <laughs> they were out of their minds, which is what, anyway. So, that said, it was a really fun time. But within about a year, I realized how dangerous this whole thing was. Yeah. Very, very, very dangerous, you know, because deep inside, if as much as much fun as I was having, I'm pretty traditional, even though I don't look it, right? I wanted a wife, I wanted a life, I wanted to be the man and all that stuff. And I was on the, sh I was on the road, sex, drug, rock and roll, getting nowhere, losing my training as a, as a commercial dancer, because we're not training, we're on the road, right? We stay fit because it's part of the job. And, but I realized within about a year, that's just really dangerous because I was turning into one of the guys We've been doing it for five years and lost complete respect for women because the things that they do to get to you it's sort of it's really kind of disgusting and and what happened is it's like every second of the day 24 7 is what you're getting you know even before we got on stage we get to the venue the day before and like we got we got picked up handled and played with the best way i could put it everywhere all the time like we go to the we'll get to the city some city at like 
you know, lunchtime, one o'clock, and we typically just check in, jump in a cab, we go to the local gym and train, you know what I mean? And then we go to the local tanning salon, which typically was closed because we had to look like Californians, and we are. So gym, tan, back to the hotel, food, upstairs, change, first show at seven o'clock. Well, we got some action at the gym. We got some action in the tanning place. We got some action in the cab. We got some action with the waitresses in the hotel before. I mean, it was and as fun as it was, like it, it twisted, twisted. So my friend Kevin, who had been doing it for five years, I was the new kid on the block. And he used to try to blow my mind with madness. And the things that I saw, again, this hair, I think was straight before he started. <laughs> but he was twisted. Like, I remember watching Kevin and the way he saw women and the respect that he had for them because he was disgusted, even though it was fun, completely. And I thought, well, I remember starting to say things like he used to say, like, they're all whores. It doesn't matter how old they are, what color, you know, they're, they're, they're in the room with her bachelor girlfriend. It's a bachelor party. She's about to get married and she's in my room, right? Like, right? Like, so you, every value that you keep, think is are normal and good, like, out the window every day. Anyway, so... You used to say this, like, they're all whores. And I started seeing that. I started feeling that way. And I'm like, okay, no, if I'm going to have a good life, because I want a wife, I want kids, like, I need to get the hell out of here. It's dangerous. It's really dangerous. So I quit. And the guys are like, what the hell is wrong with you? This, the whole world wants to be us. You know, really, you're going to quit? You know? And I'm like, yeah, this is just a job. It's not getting me anywhere. And I'm actually losing touch with myself. And I'm losing my brain. I need to go. So I quit. Which is not easy to do. So, and then I fly back. I have money saved because we had no expenses. Everything was paid for and well paid. So I saved a ton of money. So, and I get settled in Los Angeles. And I get an agent because it was a commercial jazz dancer. And within a few months, you know, and then started auditioning for movies, television, uh, TV shows, you know, music videos are really popular back then. Half the auditions were for a music video. The music industry was pumping. Everybody was dancing. Hip hop kind of started wiggling in there. So I was auditioning and working working work, working work, working work, and enough that I made my way all the way to working with Michael Jackson. I worked with Prince. I worked with Bob Abdul. I worked with, you know, Julio Iglesias. And I, I, I traveled the world because also as you perform, you every every commercial jazz dancer is also a jazz teacher. So I was teaching class in Los Angeles, but I was also flying everywhere to teach, Japan. And I mean, I went around the world being paid to do this. Fantastic stuff. And that was my life from geek to international commercial you know, dance with the big stars. So that was my 20s plus. Wow. I did that for about 50 years. So, boom. <laughs> wow. And I'd love to go into like, what was like the big catalyst for you into, get in, into getting into this work and with relationships? Like what was the, that moment for you where you're like, you're like, I really need to share this teaching. I really need to get trained by all these top people in relationship industry. And I really need to take this on and share this information. That's a good, that's a good one. I was phase, I call it phase three of my life. So commercial jazz dancer around the world for like almost 15 years, phase one. At one point, my wife's a ballerina. So I met my wife in the early nineties. I would actually, when it, basically when I came off the road, as soon as I came off the road, I started teaching in Los Angeles because that's what you do, part of the job. So I built this big class and she was one of my students. Hello. Oops. <laughs> But I, you know, I, I, I had been on the road and done that and so much that I was looking for my girl. I'd done all that. I worked that out on my system. I didn't want to be that guy anymore. I want, didn't want to have fun. I wanted my girl. Again, very traditional inside, which was interesting to find out because I thought it was an, an animal, which I was, but no. <laughs> anyway, and of course, one day, like in a movie, she just walked in and everything stopped. And I was in the middle of 40, like teaching class with 45 beautiful young women 
scandally clad and everything else as part of the business. <laughs> and yeah, no, yeah, no. Like I could, I could, I knew who they were without talking. You know what I mean? You get, you find, you get a filter for when you're around women a lot. You get this filter of temperament and style and whatever. No, 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 no. Radar's up. Looking for my girl. Radar, radar, radar. And I was teaching like all over. I was teaching like maybe 14 classes a week in studios. And <laughs> anyway, so one day she walks in. It's about nine months after I get off the road. And I stopped breathing. I couldn't speak. I was in the middle of teaching and I can't speak. Like, that's not cute, right? Like, my knees got weak. It's crazy. It's crazy. So it was like. <sighs> My ears got hot, like a five-year-old who got caught in a cookie jar. Like, like she's laughing. She's here. She's giggling. <laughs> and enough that I just pushed my assistant in front of the class because I choked. I choked. That, that's my girl. That, that's my girl. Right there. That's my girl. That's my, I know nothing about her. I have no idea who she is. I can tell she's a ballerina. I'd like to go up here. So, again, in me, my journey, I, I was always the guy that was watching everything, watching everything. I've never stopped because I was five years old. Watching everything, watching everyone. And it's interesting when you tune into people, and you do this all the time, you don't have to ask questions. You can, you can pick up their angst. You can pick up their stress. Like I can, I know when somebody is okay, when they're not okay. I can even tell you why they're not okay. It's kind of weird, but it's a fine-tuning from constantly observing. Intuition kicks into this, and you develop that mind. Interesting. So that's my girl. Anyway, it's a long story that we got together because it was... <laughs> I'm not going to go with this. It's going to take too long. But sure enough, my girl... She was a ballerina. I was a promotional dancer. dancer. And, in, and within a few years, because we both were traveling like crazy, decided to start a family. I wanted kids. They used to haunt me in my dreams. Like, literally, like, Dad, when are we coming? Like, hello, can we, hello, hello, we're waiting. We're ready to come. Hello, in my dream. Hello, I would see them. They would talk to me. Damn, she wasn't ready. She was this big. <laughs> she was afraid it was ruining her career and her body. I get it. Anyway, so when we decided to pull the trigger, she was ready and had been ready. I had to come off the road. I was not going to be the absent dad. I wasn't going to be the guy who's not present. I was not going to, I couldn't, I wouldn't. I, I, you know, I knew that feeling that was never going to happen. So I actually opened a car business in Los Angeles. You know, anything car in Los Angeles is a no brainer. You know what I mean? So, and I was, I've always been a car. My, my whole family are we're called ma car maniacs. We love cars, we love restoring cars, we love old cars. Like, this is all the four boys in my family were all the same. I had it the whole time. So, in Los Angeles, cars, are you kidding me? <laughs> and old cars and restoring cars, right? So, I, I started a business to keep me from traveling. I wanted to be on the ground. You know, I was four, six minutes from the school. So, I was at every recital, every meet, every, every 10 o'clock in the morning, lunchtime. I was there with my wife, watching the kids, being there for the kids, you know, and come home every night. I was daddy. And that business took off so hard that because I was going to do both, I just wanted to keep the work, the dancing work in Los Angeles, and not have to fly out to do it. I just want to stay in town for my kids. But the business took off so fast, literally in a spin. I was it was flying, and I had no time for. So there was a, a shift of really quickly becoming a car owner, a business car owner, who flourished and went nuts. This is when I raised my kids. But again, watching, watching human condition, I would counsel my customers. Like over my desk, it was ridiculous. Like people, for some reason, people would open up to me and tell me all the personal things. And again, that's that kind of empathy, empath empathetic kind of person, or something. But complete strangers would pour their lives on me. I'd go, hold on, close my door. <laughs> yes, like I'm, I'm counselor the whole time. I'm doing the job, even in my car shop. It was very interesting. It happened left and right almost daily. Somebody's pouring their lives on. Me. And I have enough knowledge at the time because I was always researching and studying. So I actually had some stuff that it could help with. Anyway, 2006, also one thing about me, curious about life, curious about people, 
I started taking personal development workshop as when I was, I started at 23 years old, all the time. You name it, I was in there. Like for personal development, business management, money management, perspective, they all go back to personal development anyway, right? It's how you feel about money, it's how you feel about business, right? But I mean, like my whole life, that's, you know, I'm, I'm curious by nature. And if you know something I don't know, I need to know because if I don't know, then I'm maybe out of something, right? Like just that, that hunter brain to make sure that I'm on point and aware, smart, ready, have the information, not to miss. Anyway, so 2006, I'm in San Jose, California, which is up north, flew up to San Jose, Northern California, and in a business workshop, three-day workshop, because I'd taken my business as far as I could with my knowledge, so I want to push the roof through. So I'm in, whatever, I met some amazing people, because these are all brainiacs, my, my car business, not so much, kind of thing, so it's, uh, it's really fun to be around these kind of people again. Another way back flying to Los Angeles, I met this couple in the in the workshop for three days. And the girl says to me, she goes, what are you doing next Saturday? Because everybody's flying back to Los Angeles. We all live here. And they go, Saturday, I don't work. You know, and she goes, oh, so you want to come to a workshop? I go, sure, of course. Because I'm that guy. And then I go, oh, wait, what is it? <laughs> what kind of workshop? Right? Because I'm, I'm a yes before I even know what it is. She goes, oh, it's called understanding women. Now, you also have to understand since I started dancing, I had no problem with women. I actually had an ease woman. It was kind of built in. I didn't have to do anything very much. I just had to dance. And I always, always attracted sweet, 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 sweet women like my wife. So when they say women on a Saturday morning for like eight hours, where do you want to go there? <laughs> what are you going to teach me, right? Without any arrogance, more like, I got this kind of thing. But I said I would, and I'm that guy. So I drive to the airport first thing in the morning on Saturday, my day off, whatever, a little bit backing into it. And I remember walking in the hotel ballroom where the event was. And it was 400 people in. And I'm going, okay, wait, this isn't cute. This is not what I, you know, this is not what I'm thinking. So there was something in the air. I remember thinking, like, this is something, this is something. So I sit down, and Alison Armstrong, Alison Armstrong was the, the workshop leader. She has her own company called PAX. You know, they actually do a lot of work with helping women understand men. So this is called Understanding Women. And it's interesting. It's, anyway, so, and there was a lot of women in there as well. You know, which I found funny. You would never catch men in the workshop call understanding men. They go, well, duh. <laughs> but women are different and complicated. And actually, a lot of them were there to assist, right? So we had a woman sitting next to every man that was there just to double check and check in. Anyway, and one day I came home and I said, you were, I was white as a sheep. My mind was blown. The guy who had an ease with ladies, the guy who's always attracted sweet women, the guy who was not looking for anything like this, my, my wife and I, by then, were together almost 10 years. I have a toddler and a little baby. You know what I mean? Like, I, things are fine. I'm just there literally by accident, seemingly. And, and I fell on the floor, I think, eight times that day. The things that I learned, just mind-boggling and very upsetting, very, very upsetting. And I'm not going to go into details, but and I understood that I knew nothing about women and I knew nothing about my wife. And to me, that was unacceptable because what is it that I'm doing to her that she thinks I know that I'm doing to her that I don't want to do to her, but she thinks that I am and I'm doing it on purpose. How long can a woman hang in there if she thinks I'm actually hurting her feelings, knowing what I'm doing and on purpose sometimes? Hell no. Hell no, right? Not me, not this guy. I'm not going to be statistic because I don't know. It's my brain, right? And all my brothers and my sister all had two and three marriages. One's on the report right now. Just a disaster. I have my baby. I'm not doing this. I am not doing this. That baby, no, I'm not doing this. So it goes my brain. So I jumped in the company through the entire curriculum, everything that they have to offer. You know, they had eight or nine different workshops, you know, courses going for months. I ended up joining them. I became, I 
they asked me to join them as um, as a workshop leader because I was always a teacher. So they would put me in front of a crowd, whether it was dancing or my life. And so that was the beginning. Literally, just it was literally for me and us. It was for me and my wife and our family. That was doing all this was selfishly for me. However, the light was on, if you want to call it this, and people would come at me, come at me, come at me, come at me, come at me. And again, naturally open up who was anywhere. This is pretty interesting. And I became the guy who's helping people with this stuff. And I didn't work out with a company as far as me as becoming a, a one of the workshop leaders, politics and stuff like this. But I, then I went into the next phase. From that, I went into studying others with other masters. So I, I studied with Dr. John Gray, the Mars and Venus guy. I studied with uh, Shanti Felhan, so that he's from the South that teaches love and respect from the from a religious perspective, which is interesting, but really, really amazing stuff. Esther Perel, who's now very, very famous, she's everywhere, the therapist in New York City with intimacy and sex and, and affairs and explaining that whole thing. So everybody's got their vein kind of thing. And then Dr. Pat Allen here in Los Angeles, I, was, I trained with her for three and a half years, so I'm not a therapist, but I'm trained by a therapist. I don't want to be a therapist because it, it bounds you to many things. So I'm an NLP a coach, I don't know if you know NLP, neurolinguistic programming. So I have six certification in the work of working with humans and these five masters. And so <laughs> that's how this whole thing started. It was for me and my wife. And next thing you know, it just, and it became a calling. Like at one point, I literally heard, hear the voice of God going, you need to teach this to the masses. You will put a dent in a culture because what's happening in culture right now is dismantling everything that's possible between men and women with the, the new belief system and we could go there next but that's how it all started Oof, i'm sorry wow. i'd love to go into like with all your research and all your teachings what do you think is the major thing that men get wrong around <laughs> around women and vice versa by the way and also the other way around too yeah, course, it's, yeah. it's with people we uh, nobody knows this nobody talks about it i guess maybe you have to be i'm a geek inside i'm a researcher i research everything and i can't stop i, I just like, especially now, it's even worse than ever. Even though I have all this knowledge, I can't stop researching and layers, 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 right? So either either others, again, as the five masters, they give me this cocktail that's unbelievable. I could approach explaining men and women through chemistry, through anthropology, through psychology, through physics, you know what I mean? So it all connects from the back fantastically. It's all the same, but it's different fields of knowledge for different masters and my own researches. So it seems to be a blind spot for even professionals and therapists that at the very, what men don't get about women is how women function. And they have no means to understand this because from our perspective, the way we function, operate and think, it's the twilight zone. Like I've discovered that one day in that workshop, like what's normal for me, what motivates me, what I find interesting, what's cool, what's fun for me, it's nothing to do with anything that she, that motivates her, that she finds interesting, that it's cool. Like what I find exciting, my wife is like, really? (laughs) Really? Right. And what I think she thinks is fantastic. I'm like, oh, boring. <laughs> right. So we're, we're completely different machines, you know. And I think it's part of the problem in our culture. We have this equality thing going, right? Equal rights, equal pay, equal opportunity. Of course, it's fantastic. That was like, you know, that kind of even out the field for business. But it bled into this idea of men and women are the same equal being. That a man should act more like a woman to be a good man, and a woman has to be badass, you know, strong, independent, powerful to be a, a valuable woman. No, not in love. It's good for business. It's good for money. It's, it works in friendship, but in love matters. It's a kiss of death. It kills intimacy. It destroys polarity and magnetism. It's the it's the worst thing. Now, it is data on this. I could have, you know, none of this is my none of this is my opinion. This data 
data, data on this, like crazy. So that's part of the problem in my culture. That's why I'm so busy because that equality thing and with love dynamic destroys everything, push, pushes people apart and, and kills everything. The polarity of masculine and feminine, men and women, sensuality, sexuality, it destroys everything. It's like you end up living with a roommate. That's, that's what happens. Like their, their dynamic, the sensual, sexual energy goes flat. And then often they have to, they stray because as human, we need that kind of physical connection. And if you can't, anyway. So what men don't understand about women is everything. You know, why do you take things so personally? Because we don't, right? Why do you let that bother you? And they'll say that to you. Like, because that's what we do, right? If something comes at me and it sucks, so I don't like it or it's dangerous, not dangerous, but like really upsetting, you know, I take it and I put it in the box. Bloop, we get it because I have to keep working. It's a survival mechanism, right? It's called the compartmentalized brain that men have to, whatever comes at me, my dad could die and it's devastating to me, but I can't let that stop me from working and providing for my family. So I take it and I go, it's horrible, put it here and I go smiling and I go through my day like everything's fine. But sometimes at night or when I'm tired, that, that box is going to slide out and now I'm a ball on the floor. But it's, it's I, I, I can put it away. Women can't do that. So we don't know this because this is how we do it. It's so obvious and it's the best design ever i'm sorry you don't you don't have that because it's a, it's a really great feature of our brain like you know just put that aside let's get to work and get it done doesn't matter how i feel you're all about your feelings how you feel is who you are in the moment if you're happy you're happy if you're mad you're mad and so when a guy tells you especially your your significant other if he says to you like why does that bother you just let it go and she wants to kill you because you, in that moment, are denying her feelings, which is who she is in that moment. Now, men don't know this. So our way of helping you is offensive to you. But they actually think they're helping. You're thinking, what a jerk. So men know nothing about women. Because we all, and both the same way, the other way around. We do to the other one what works for us. It's so obvious, but we're two different machines. <laughs> so that's a big one. Women take things personally. Men don't understand that. They're always trying to tell you, God damn. I can't tell you anything. You take everything the wrong way. I'm just telling you. I don't like when you do this. No, I'm not saying I don't love you. I'm just, I don't, right? Now she's devastated. She's crying. She's like, I can't tell you anything. So I'm not going to anymore, right? And then she's, you know, soon after is is complaining that she doesn't know what's going on with him. He doesn't talk to her. He doesn't share his feelings. Well, when he does, she gets mad. So he's like, okay, like, I can't tell you anything. You know what I mean? And this is when the polling, so we don't know anything about each other. We do it the way we like it. What works for us, and it's so obvious, doesn't work that way. So what I do when my clients, what I teach in my workshop is I call it gender intelligence. It's something I stole from Dr. John Gray used that. And, and it's like, you know, there's, there's, there's intellectual intelligence, right? There's emotional intelligence, gender intelligence, right? If you're a man and want to be in a healthy relationship or in a relationship with a woman, I say you have to cross the bridge into a woman world. You have to go learn. Because none of this makes sense to you. You will not guess it. You will not even go, hmm, I think this is going on. You will not. Everything you think is going on is not because you're coming from your perspective, which is 180 degrees the other way. So you have to go learn. That's what smart people do. They go learn. Go learn. Why would when women say stuff like, I need so very little. Why can't you give me what I, you know, what I, it's so little. I, I just, it doesn't have to buy me. I just, well, to men, it's like, what the hell does that mean? Like, so she tells, like, women say these, these big kind of lumped together, like, like, one-liners that mean nothing. I just want a good man. What the hell does that mean, right? I need to. It's just I need. I need him to be more intensive. Okay, well, I'm right here. No, you don't have it. Like what's right? And men also quantify everything. So when you say I need so little for a man, if it's little, it's worthless. You know, because typically you're not gonna you're not gonna get one rose. You're gonna get a bouquet. Because like 
that's how much I care for you. That's how much I'm apologize. I'm sorry, right? Like a big old bouquet, three dozen. See how much I mean it? But to a girl, one rose and a dozen, it's the same thing. It's a gesture, like the little things. Like men don't know this. <laughs> so cross the bridge into woman, woman world and go find out what motivates them, what hurts them, what they, why they think things personally. Why is it that they react to this and this and what's their heart cry, I call it, right? Like we both have what I call a, a, a self-doubt deep down up to a core. We have this self-doubt about belonging and being lovable and or respected, right? But they're completely separate. So a, woman, a woman's self-doubt is easily flicked by my action and I'm hurting my wife's feelings. So it was a terrible day when I figured that out. I never want to hurt her feelings. Why would I want to hurt my baby's feelings? I do it all the time. What? Well, I, I don't. No, how's that possible, right? What I do, she'll take personally. What I do looks unloving. What I do looks like I don't care. What I do looks like I'm aloof. What I, sometimes I dismiss her because I don't want to talk about it because it's not, I know you don't want to come. That's fine. What do I want to, I, you don't want to come. Fine, stop. I, don't want to, I got it. You know, now she's upset because she's like, I'm upset because, but I don't want to hear necessarily. I'm a guy, right? Like you don't want to come. I don't need to hear the story, the 15 minute story about why it's fine. But I just heard her feeling because I want her to finish. I don't know this. I'm trying to make it simple. Anyway, so this, go learn, go into woman world and research and study and find out how they take why, when, why they think that they do take things personally. You do, but it's also because you're, you're feeling driven. Anyway, there's a bunch of reasons. Fantastic. Not that complicated. A little tedious, but not that complicated. And now you can actually sort of have a sense of what to bring. And same to the ladies. The ladies cross the bridge into man world. They're confusing. You don't understand why we're doing things. You don't understand how can he possibly say, I can't believe he did. I, I can't, right? Well, okay, very good reason. Go find out what motivates men, why they do the things that they do, why they seem to be always sort of looking away from you, right? As opposed to into you. There's a very good reason. Caveman brain, hunter brain. There's a bunch of natural, you know, genetic reasons, physiological reasons, chemical reasons, different machines, testosterone driven, estrogen driven, whole different ways to operate and, and react to environment and what's important, what's important. Two different things. So go find out why men are like this. And then, I swear to God, 50% of the things that women take personally with men when they go learn, they're like, really? Oh, that's so sweet. Like, but that's men. But it looks weird to you until you know why. So now all of a sudden, we kind of, and then I go from that space when you kind of know what, what, how that works on the other side more. Then I go, now you can get on the bridge and learn to dance together. And back to dancing, and look behind me. This is my wife and I, yeah. right? This is my entire life. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this takes practice. Yeah. This takes learning. And this is what I'm saying, right? Go learn, go learn, and then get on the bridge. And again, if you've seen ballroom dancers dance, it's unbelievable. Why they glide across the floor. It looks like so easy. Years of training, right? Years of learning how to communicate with their bodies, right? Not words, right? But a relationship is exactly this. We have to come together and learn how to do this, right? Like a woman's a woman with all the goodies that a woman brings and a man's a man, but we're not the same. We don't operate the same, but we actually, what, what's fascinating, and this is nature, what I'm teaching is nature and science. It's not my opinion. It's God's work, right? Men, men need women to complete them in a lot of ways, and a woman needs a man to complete her. Like what we bring to each other is an opposition like this, but that's like, it actually what makes life better as a couple creating a, a new entity. And if you build a family, and it's all like, all these things merge fantastically. They're not the same, which is, you know, sometimes challenging, but it's not equality. The sweet, sensitive, sweet guy who talks and, you know, tells you all about his feelings is a girl. <laughs> That's your girlfriend. It's never going to be a real natural male. You know what I mean? They're out there. I call them boys. They're, they don't do what men do. So 
I teach my clients to avoid those guys because they're they, those are the dangerous ones, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. And so the same on the other side, like when with my wife in my arm going for a dance, it's not passive. You know, this idea of control, then he's got more control, so he's more valuable. No, it's it's partnership, right? She's not passive at all. She really has to hold her frame. She has to be present. She has to, right? Except she's she is vulnerable to my leadership. She has to trust me that I'm not going to drive her into the wall or the couple or the table because she completely lets go with doing her part of it. You know what I mean? That's a relationship. And, but that takes practice, right? I, as a, as a leader, could overlead her. I could actually hurt her if I overlead her. You know what I mean? So I have to have sensitivities to fit her comfort, to, to, to guide her, but not over, over, you know, I could hurt her dancing. Relationships, right? I can be manly, but if I'm too much of a beast, I'm going to hurt her, right? So I need to, this is the part that she brings to my awareness, the sensitivity of, babe, a little too much. Babe, I don't like this, right? Boundaries within the relationship, right? It's, it's, you have to do it to learn. And so I say, get on the bridge and to learn to do this, which takes years, you know, in the beginning, it's a little awkward because it's opposite of what you want to do. Well, but then you, now you're, you're invested, you commit it, and you step on each other's toes in the beginning, just like this, right? If, I, if I'm not sure my, my leadership, the moment I'm not sure, she's going to try to help. And that's how I get the elbow in the face. I miscommunicated and I get hurt because, oh, look, because she's responding to me, right? And vice versa. Or I get the knee to the groin. Hello, been there, right? So that's on me when it goes awry. And right, I miscommunicated and then the other way around as well, right? If she's trying to help me too much, right? Now we're resisting on each other as opposed to flowing together. It's, uh, the metaphors of dancing and the relationships are just fantastic. So that became obviously like it's amazing that I come from a world of dancing that fits everything that I'm doing now, sort of organically, but it's sort of cosmic. But like that's really the magic, right? Like people think they should find a mate and you know move in together and we'll figure it out. Oh hell no, as you can tell, that's not how it works. You gotta learn, you gotta know. And like you know, if you want to become a ballroom dancer and watch a couple just glide and they're fantastically happy and she's gloriously feminine and trusting of him. And he's like I feel like a man because she she trusts me, she believes in me, and she allows me to take her for a ride. And together we have this look at us go, right? That takes some work, right? Ballroom dancers, when you see them go, years of training. Now, relationships don't necessarily take years of training, but the the basis in the beginning, you gotta know what you're dealing with. You gotta know what you want. And then you have to know to negotiate your boundaries, your wants and needs, because they're completely opposition in opposition typically. So you could actually stay authentic real happy as opposed to frustrated angry and thinking something wrong with him or her okay drop the mic sorry i love that and i'd love for you to go deeper into the guys always looking away from her or what did you mean by that exactly well i call it you know again this is all leftovers of 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 our anthropology and uh our caveman ancestry if you consider the women are physically smaller and weaker just physically, that's just a fact, you know, women don't like to hear this, but you could do the Olympics with men, you can lose every medal, because men are stronger and bigger, right, like gender neutral, what are you talking about, like, what are you, <laughs> that's not nature, nature is two different pieces to create babies, sorry, identity has nothing to do with genetics, what I'm saying, so, okay, people are like, I like this, sorry, but, so, women are naturally physically smaller and weaker, cave woman was very aware of this, cave woman in the woods, being left alone was cat food, tiger food, right, so women learn for safety survival to attach themselves to a big, strong man or to gather together with other women because now we have to secure safety in the pack. A woman in the woods by herself is food to something and or the next tribe who's going to take her. 
not cute, right? So the need to attachment for women is innate and super powerful. At the same time, because she's small and weaker, she's always aware of everything around her for safety, right? So you ladies have a, a, what I call externally motivated, like your radar is always turned outward and you're aware of everything around you at all times, right? Your eyeballs, are, the, the, your eyeballs, the, the cones in your eyes are fanned out, gather a brain, aware of everything. You walk in a room and in a second you go, and you have it all, right? You know, especially you, you pick on people's energy. If somebody's upset, you, your attention goes right to that person, especially if he's a man, because maybe it's going to get dangerous. So you can't shake that. Like that's the person that hits your radar. Somebody's upset. Uh oh, it could be dangerous. This could be dangerous, right? Cave woman, right? And then you, then you could, you could, like, why are the kids under the table? What's going on there? Like, you know, they're going to pull the cloth down. It's going to be a mess. Like, you, you catch what's happening in two seconds, right? Everything you see, smell, hear, taste, touch, boom, in a second. Why is she wearing this, <laughs> these shoes with that dress? What the hell, right? Like, everything that's out of place, everything that's dirty, this carpet in this ballroom is horrible. It's like, you're aware of everything. We have zero sense of that. So extremely motivated means she's constantly aware of everything. Again, cave woman. Back in the days, when the men went hunting, the women would gather together for safety. What you do today, <laughs> what you do today, you need your community and your girlfriends to feel safe. You need connection to feel safe. You can't be left alone. You don't feel safe. You know, even mm -hmm. when you're safe to your apartment, you're always aware that you're alone. What's that noise outside? Cave woman, right? So in community, cave women would gather together where the men were out hunting. The men would leave a few teenage boys, but it's a small level of safety. But the women together would be have to all together be aware of everything around them for survival. So who's in charge of the fire? Who's taking care of the children? Who's collecting the berries and the mushrooms for dinner? Because you're the preppers, right? You're the, you're the, the gatherers, right? And especially what's that noise in the room in the back? Like what's that noise in the right? So you, you're constantly super aware of everything. We have none of that. We have none of that. Genetically, physically, DNA, chemically, Men, because they're naturally bigger and stronger, do not have a sense of safety moment to moment to moment to moment. Men do not run to the car in the dark. We don't. We're not afraid of parking lots. We're not afraid of elevators or staircases. We're not. You constantly are. You're never without fear of what if, what if, what if, right? That's your system. So you're externally motivated, makes you hyper aware of everything and everyone, or the energy and, <laughs> right? You can, only, you can only relax when everybody's good around you. And everything's perfect, and even that's impossible. So you're never completely okay because everything makes you feel good or bad. And that's why I explained to men, because they're feeling driven as women, everything that you see, hear, taste, touch, feel makes you feel good or bad moment to moment. So much like the weather, you will change moment to moment for whatever reason. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's traffic, sometimes somebody cuts you off, somebody, sometimes your mother on the phone. So you were fine, now you're angry, what happened? And then we go, why did that bother you? Now you want to kill me. <laughs> so women are driven, feeling externally motivated, feeling driven. Now, sometimes it's hard to watch. Sometimes it's hard on you. Sometimes we think you're crazy. Sometimes you think you're crazy because it makes you kind of crazy. And I understand. I would probably feel like it's insane because how do you deal with all that? Men have no idea. And then they hurt your feelings with that because they don't know. Right? So externally motivated, see, hear, taste, touch, but I feel everything all the time. The world coming at you, the more, especially if you're in the workforce. Now you have to be a man and compete, which you hate, we love. We ask you to, we demand on some level for you to act like men. And to be a good woman nowadays, you have to compete and fight and get on top and make some money. Hello, you know how much that kills you? Kills your brain, kills your spirit, kills your body, opens you up to all kinds of diseases because the stress you're not built for, you don't have the testosterone. This again, blame God. Anyway, not gonna go there. But so man, 
exact opposite system. As much as you're externally motivated, the caveman, the hunter brain, which we still have today, live and you know, alive and well, has to plan everything in order for us to survive. Again, awareness for you is a survival. Awareness for us for survival is I need to plan for the future. I need to plan to hunt. I need to plan what's going to happen next. I need to plan how much we have, how much we need, right? So men are internally motivated. We are in our heads all the time, planning, plotting, thinking, feeling, like not feeling, just always kind of figure out how we're going to win, how we're going to gain, how we're going to get ahead, how we're going to make some money, how we're going to provide and protect our family, how, how we're always in our heads, which to you looks like I don't care or I'm disconnected and I'm away from you energetically because that's what it feels like. You can be right next to me, but if I'm in my head, it's been motivated, I'm inside of me and you're like, you want to talk to connect. I don't want to talk to connect. I don't need that. That's actually irritating, especially when I'm thinking of something, I'm planning something. Do you understand? So what you need, I don't, and I don't like it, most of the time, when I'm trying to make sure that we're all going to survive, instinct. And to you, we look like we're disconnected, we're shallow, we don't care, we're self-centered, selfish. No, hunter brain, internally motivated. Always funny because I taught this to one of my one of my clients, and she's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Like the relief that she got because she realized he wasn't misbehaving. She's like, "Give this. I just got it." Her her her, her boyfriend's name is Brad. She goes. Like it just all came together. She goes, you know what? I get up in the morning. She goes, what I'm thinking is, what does Brad need today? She goes, Brad gets up in the morning and Brad goes, what does Brad need today? You see it? She's thinking about him to make sure that he's good. That's a supportive, you know, cave woman type thing. Take care of your man. He's going to go hunt and be good, right? But what he's thinking is not about how she's feeling. He's thinking, Let's, what, do have, what do we have to do today to, to keep us all alive? Away from her. And then once in a while, he'll turn to her when he's in the mood for love and when he's done the hunting. You know, and so like for three days, he's been in his head, he's been away from her emotionally or like energetically. And she's like, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's like, right? It's a question mark for women, uh, self-doubt. And he's just being a man, doing what a man does for all of us to, to live and providing for the, her and the kids. But it's always feels disconnected, right? And then when he turns to her at the end of the day and he's like, so uh, I'll be gone. And she's all, oh, oh, now I'm cute. Oh, now you see me. Oh, so now you want this now? I don't think so, right? <laughs> because he's been completely making you feel cold and disconnected for a day, two days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I'm saying, right? Men are always away from you. If they're natural males, normal males, right? Now, boys, in my world, there's like three kinds of men. There are boys, there are guys, and then men. Boys do exact opposite. Boys operate like women, and they will ruin your life ruin your life. Those are the ones who are dangerous. Those are the ones who steal from you. Those are the ones who lie. Those are the ones who cheat. There's the, the, those are the toxic ones that people talk about. Not men. Men provide, protect, take care, build their character, push to the world, build something. Proud. They're proud of what they're building. They push and discipline themselves to get to be good men. And they, they're proud of this. And with that, those are the ones who, those are the men who want women and wives and children because this is why they kill themselves to be able to support that. Those are the guys who commit. The boys, not one bit. The problem with women get really caught up is that the boys are very sweet. They're sensitive. They talk. They know how to work you. They're like women. They know what works for women because they're very, very girly in a lot of ways, even though they look like men. They have all the parts, but they operate from the feelings. And this comes from their childhood. It's actually an injury, but whatever. I don't want to go there, but it's this really good reason for this. Like I often resent them, but it's not their fault. It's background, you know. Same with women who are stuck in the masculine. It's not their fault. It's always something that happened. 
that created that. Okay, we could heal that as well, by the way. First thing I do is clean that up. Clean up your baggage, you could be in a healthy relationship. So, but those boys are the ones to avoid. So in my work, like the first thing I teach women is to spot the boy, to avoid them at all costs. But it's difficult because those are the sweet ones. Those are those are the ones who say all the right things. Those are the ones who will seduce you. They're great in bed. They're great kisser. They're like women. They're, they're, they're sensual, sexual. And they'll easily, so you get caught with boys because men don't do that. Not that way. So guys are in between. I'll explain. I don't have time to explain. And men, men are men. Men do the men stuff, but they're hard to connect to because they're always seemingly pushed away from you. And when they turn towards you, you're offended because he hasn't, right? But those are the guys who, the good ones, those are the guys who commit. Those are the guys who build. Those are the ones who will do, kill themselves for you. Those are the ones who hold themselves accountable for everything. They don't complain. They don't bitch. They don't blame the world. They take everything on. Oof, I just went off again, didn't I? <laughs> I love it. And uh, if, my mind's going like everywhere. Like, I know. <laughs> it like, happens every time. Like, like, I've women. never heard any of this stuff. I was yeah. like, wait, where has all I this know. stuff been all like? I know. And your eyes go up and you see your whole past. And you go, oh, that's what that was. Oh, that's what he, right? That happens every time. Like I lose the, I was speaking yesterday to a group of 40 people, mostly women. It was a mixed group, but men don't show up to these things as much. It's normal. It's instinct. Again, another thing. And women don't understand that. But anyway, and, and I spoke like this and I leave space because it comes in, right? I talk about like information and I go, any questions? And they're all like this, like processing hard so much they can't speak. Like, no, that's some stuff, right? To get a woman to not speak. Yeah. <laughs> you really have to stir something so it happens all the time anyway so try yeah. you know yeah, so i have another question for you yes, about like I love, yes. I, I love the question in the pdf that your um your partner sent me about yeah. how what everything we are taught keeps us single so can you expand on that and how we're well, that keeps yeah, us single i i touched on that a little bit earlier right the culture wants us to wants you ladies to be strong and independent and powerful. Now this has been going on for 60 years and it's sort of taken a really good hold. Now, this was never like this through history. Two and a half million years of evolution, right? Much less choices, much more like both of us, right? Women were mothers and wives, and men were just hunters and went to work. And like, all the way up to the fifties, when you look at family dynamics, women raise the children and a lot of children, men and women, boys and girls, would be resentful of dad that was never there. You know what I mean? And that was that was typically the angst of throughout history where the men were not present, but the mother was there, right? But now that we encourage women to be strong, independent, and powerful, and be competitive like men, make some money like men, fight in the world like men, and manly, 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 you're not a good woman unless you are a superwoman, that so you have money, a career, you're a CEO, you make $100,000 a year minimum, and then you're supposed to be a lovely woman and a wife and a mother. Well, it's impossible. Nobody can do both. So typically women do one of the two lanes. I call it either they take the money lane, become a, you know, I call it a woman with a career, no, a career woman, or they take the love lane, I call it a woman with a career. Career woman, woman with a career. One lane is for money, the other one, the other lane is for love and relationships and children and family. But women are now shamed out of that second lane. In kindergarten, from the get-go, you know, I have some of my, uh, my assistants, uh, young women, millennials, and they cannot say out loud that they want children in marriage. They get shamed down by their, their, their professors, their teachers, and all the girls. Like, girl, what's wrong with you? We need to talk. You know, marriage is like, is, uh, is slavehood. You know, like, you, you, you're better than that. You don't need to know man's at all. They can't say it out loud. So we now shame women of what's natural for them, physiologically. You know what I mean? Nature, right? Like, men, men are made, men are made to build, push, conquer, penetrate, 
force, right? Fight, right? Naturally, genetically, and again, stereotypes, big system, sorry, we're different. We're built for different purpose, survival, two and a half million years. Uh, that's not my opinion. This is factual. But what are women built for typically? You create life. You make life. What's more important than that? You make life. You support the life that you make and you in the, in the process. It's essential for it all to work. But like what we do is it's hard in a different way, but you make life and you have you're you're built you build to nurture that life and the life of the guy who makes that possible because you're vulnerable when you're pregnant. Imagine you outside in the woods, pregnant, you're done, right? Right. So you need somebody to support you in the pregnancy and the, the, the raising a baby, the childbearing years are long for humans. In nature, it's a few weeks for most for most species. For us, it's years. Right, and it's hard energetically in every way, breastfeeding and all that stuff. Right, it's, so he's going to kill himself to make that machine go. But you get to create life. Now, women forgot all this. The feminist movement said, "Girl, you better than that. Be like him. Make some money." Okay, that's fine. But like some women won't do this, right? But it's infiltrated. So that's a problem. So everything culture is teaching you is away from your essence. And you can do it, by the way, women have proven they can do everything like men, everything. You've proven it over 60, 70 years of this we have now, right? You can do anything you want. However, it doesn't make you happy. By the time you get to be 35 and 40 years old, women who pick the money lane, and this is all my clients. Now, I'm not saying it's for everyone. By the way, allow me the generalization, right? Like when I talk men and women, I'm talking everybody, we're all different, though we have streaks. And this is what I see when you convince women that they have to be like men, that the value to be a valuable woman is to be strong and and powerful. And maybe later you'll think of a relationship because you have to do that first, which takes a ton of work and energy, right? So you take the money lane, because these are all my clients. By the time you get to 40 ish, you're tired, you're alone, you can't connect with the man, you can't sustain a relationship very well. You don't know why. You think there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You got yourself completely worked out of your essence. You're actually acting like a man, and your femininity went sideways. And you you haven't nurtured. You haven't. You've not nurtured it since you were a little girl. So it's completely foreign to you. Like the ability of the human body to adjust anything is fantastic. So we, as a man, I could practice acting through my feelings and becoming a boy. Practicing will do this. Like so, we could change. You know, we could actually alter our very own temperament on some level of character by what we practice. But when we don't give women choices, but to be strong and powerful, to be superwoman, you become a client of mine by the time you get to your 40s. And now women are like, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm not happy, I'm lonely, I can't connect with men, I can't build a relationship, I can't get a date, or I can never get a second date, what's wrong with me? I go, girl, nothing wrong with you, you overcalibrated. You forgot your girl part in you, which is the part that men connected to. This is what attracts men, your femininity, not your money. Not your power. You attract boys, which is going to be a disaster sooner or later. You want a man? You want a guy who steps up, takes care of you, makes it easier, right? Puts his arm around your life and goes, I got this. Right? No, you don't have to do this. I got it. That's the man. But if you're in man mode, you repel masculine men. And you attract the sweet one who will ruin your life sooner or later. So I have to say, basically, I don't, my clients, I don't like change who they are, right? Because they build all this stuff, so it's not about changing them. It's about really nurturing their femininity, which often makes them go like this. And now, to me, that's truly a badass. Not this chick who can't connect or can't, you know, has lost touch with her femininity. It's a woman who kind of does this and knows by choice when to be masculine at work, when to be a woman in the world. 
my famous line is, ladies, you have to learn to leave your balls at work. Your balls are fake. Mine are real. Mine are always with me. Yours, you can leave behind if you want to be on men's radar. Man, when you're new masculine, you're invisible to masculine men. Most of my clients have never met a man. They've been mm. forced because energetically, that's what they attract. It's, it's, it's a mechanism. It's not even their choice. You want a man, but you, know, you can't attract one. You're the man. So it's the work that I do. It's kind of fantastic. So everything the culture is teaching you is keeping that from happening. Strong and powerful. Go, girl. You don't need no man. 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 Okay, you win. And then you go, where's my man? You don't need no man. Where's my man? You don't need no man. Where's my man? Split in mind mess, right? But again, it sneaks in since you were five years old. And men are like, I don't know what's going on, right? I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like the, the Me Too movement, the toxic masculinity, the men are not to be trusted. They're cheaters anyway. We're done. This is why I'm pissed. This is why I'm pissed. Ooh, I just went off again. And I'm curious, why, why do you think men can't commit? That's a complete lie. <laughs> that's, that's so wrong. I can't even tell you. I, I, now I, want, I want to put my ears off now. <laughs> but it's, you see that, right? It looks yeah. that way. I get it. I right, get this again. Basic masculinity. This, this may not resonate completely, but take it in. For a man to do anything, anything, he has to commit to it first. So I can't get out of bed until I committed to get out of bed. I'm not going to get to my job until I'm committed to get to my job, right? Like everything that we do takes a commitment. That's have a reason and a purpose and then I go do it. So every single thing that we do as men requires a commitment first. So it's not commitment we're afraid of because we can't do anything without it. Moment to moment to moment to moment. I have to commit it to get to work on time, to get to work on time. I have to actually plan and commit to it and do it. You know what I mean? So it's not commitment is the problem with men. It's learning to do this with women who refuse to be partners, that's the problem. If you're not going to be my partner and get in the dance with me and do the part that I need from you for us to do better, if you refuse to be the woman, and again, that's not like black and white. It's like there's a whole kind of, I call it a modern way to do relationships, a modern way to dance. It's not about black and white. They go to the 50s. That's not what I'm saying. I want to say it again because people always throw that in my face. That is not, not, not what I'm saying. But I want to line, what I know that works better is to line up with nature. Right. So this is the problem from my perspective, that people think that the, the relationship between men and women has been from the beginning was that men are in front, in charge and leading everything, controlling everything, and she's behind. Right. This is what people like, like to have us believe. Like it's been you know, centuries that men took a chair of everything and women had no power. They were the back. So what we're now trying to do in our model culture, again, which destroys everything, is women want to get in front and him in the back. That's not working. What this is, is me, my partner next to me, not in front of me, and she's not behind me. She never was. I need her next to me. So together, we'll work this thing out. See the difference? But nobody's saying that, right? But everything that works, pilot, co-pilot, driver, navigator, right? President, vice president, that's two pieces to make something bigger happen. That's the relationship. That's the dance. You see it? So men have still from committing but in our culture right now, is what I said earlier, women are trained to not do anything that men require for them to commit, you know, like build a life, build, build a life and want to take on a woman who will support his mission, his passion, his world as he supports her in different ways. So it's what men need to, be, to feel supported is different than women need to feel supported. And you have to figure out what that is to do this. But if women refuse to do this, Men are like, okay, well, I'm just going to play with you then. 
I'm just going to play with you then. You don't want to do the part that I need for us to get on together and really me putting all my energy into you, into us, because you don't, you don't trust me. You don't want it. You think you want to control me. You're not going to control me. You're not going to control a man. You control a boy, but you never, right? So it's not, if you, if you assimilate all the male traits, men don't want any of this. It's irritating. It's actually disrespectful to his masculinity. And women wonder how come men don't ask for a second date? Well, you act like a man on a date. You look like a girl, but you act like a man. You're controlling or whatever. There's a bunch of ways when we do this not knowing. And it's not that you even know that you're doing it. It's this damn culture who's telling you, forget him, don't trust him. Make sure he's not a creep. He's probably dangerous. You can't trust him anyway. Make sure you Google his name, right? Suspicious, suspicious, suspicious. Well, how's that going to work? How's that going to work? If you think half the planet is dangerous, ladies, that's the culture again. They're not to be trusted. They're toxic. So guys go, you know what? They can't do, they won't do this with us anymore. So I'll just play with them, which is women say all the time. Like they just want sex. Well, that's all that you have to offer or that you're willing to offer. Nobody wants to get on the dance floor and learn to dance. People do what I call disco dancing. They get on the floor like this, but they don't actually get in. They say independence. They move in together, but they don't do this. They just do this until she's sick of him. And he's like, we're not going anywhere here. That thing, you know what I mean? It's terrible. It's terrible. Oof. So commitment in man is opposite of what you know. Men commit all the time and want to commit to this woman. They can't find women to commit to, to, to commit with, to get in partnership with them. That's the problem. And men say this to me left and right. Where are the women? Where are the good women? They're all men now. They're all butch. They're all disrespectful. They're all mean. They're all angry. They expect us to do everything for them. They, they want to do nothing that we need. Cultural, right? So it's not pretty. That's why I'm busy. <laughs> And the women who want relationship with men really what they, they realize that something's not working, whatever their mother taught them, the society, the culture, their teachers come to me, come to me and they go, apparently you got something different going on here. What do you got? They know something's not working they, and they trip on me. And by the way, <laughs> I have different programs, but the big program, which is the one-on-one, where I, I hold your hand for four months minimum to take you to this understanding. Every one of my clients ends up in a relationship with a man. Seriously, I have one who's like, getting to because she's you know, halfway through the program, but it's fantastic. When you understand men, when you understand yourself, because a lot of women don't even understand themselves, when you understand being feminine, when you understand yourself, when you understand radiating warmth of femininity, what that does to men, then you go practice that to watch the reaction. All of a sudden, you don't attract boys anymore, you attract men. And my clients always say, I've never met one before. I'm like, God, they're like, a little bit scary because they're big, right? So you have to learn how to negotiate with them. But like, like, And this is the best part of my life. Right. Besides doing this and bringing people together in a healthy dynamic, be able to communicate and negotiate and be able to be in flow as opposed to assuming, right, and, and expecting and that from both perspective and that works because it's a different perspective. But when you understand how to do all this and talk about it, negotiate it respectfully, da 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 you keep in the nice flow. But at the end of it all, I'm also a minister, so I end up marrying couples. I put them <laughs> I teach them and I marry them. That's like the cherry on the Sunday for me. That's my life purpose. I like I don't the money is part of what I do, but at the end when I get to say instead of a couple people who had no means to understand this whole thing per the culture's teaching and belief system, and they kind of get together and they get to say, Do you think this woman, do you think this dude? That's like the ultimate gift for me. So that's what I live for, right? This is my purpose. The big mission is actually to change the culture, so to teach this abroad or to change the teaching to teach this wide and wide and big. I call it Oprah Big. It's not that complicated. It's just nobody has that on the radar. Everything is opposite of what works most mostly. 
So I want to bring this to the masses to really change what's happening in our world because women are unhappy. Women are really unhappy, really, really unhappy. There's a statistic on that. Women are more unhappy now the past 20 years, 15, 20 years that they've been in the entire history of the, of the world. How is that possible? You have all the choices. You do whatever you want. Interesting, right? So women are not happy and men are like, I don't know, dude. Don't take off your top. That's all I want from you. You know, it's terrible. So it's destroying relationship. It's destroying anybody learning to dance. It's destroying families. It's destroying kids because families fall apart. People still make babies, but without both men, you know, mom and dad, kids are twisted profoundly. So they end up growing up, not be able to connect and trusting relationship if possible. Like it's, it's destroying society altogether. I want to stop that, but that's the calling. Okay, that's it. Your turn. <laughs> it's deep. It's mm. deep. It's deep, and sometimes I resent it. It's so big, but that's my mission. Okay. And I have a final question for you. Yes, darling. If you were to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you want to tell him? Go oh boy. <laughs> because every one of these moments were essential. Every piece of my life got me here. Every one of them. From my, from my childhood, that was less than ideal. Finding myself as a teen to exact opposite of everything I thought I could do and be to work with superstars like go from invisible to Michael Jackson that's that's a good shot right mm -hmm. but that was how I built myself and my confidence right that's what, what I call going for your life that's what men do even in the artistic world I went after my life I took all the risks I fought for it I disciplined dancing is this it's not easy this is not easy you know I was the one in the studio every weekend in the evening I wasn't at a club party it was training you know what I mean so the fighting for it with all part, but it, it just came. So it's, there's no regrets. I can't even say them resentful for my childhood because that was a trigger. That was the beginning of what's all this, what's all this. And now I'm that guy because of it. So there's definitely no regrets. Um, I made it harder on myself than it could have been. And just because I really kind of isolated myself out of protection, that was not necessary. But again, that was part of the journey. So I, I wouldn't change a thing. And the fact that I'm here today is a blessing and a miracle. I have a great wife. I have a great marriage. I have a fantastic kid. I raised them opposite the way I was raised. So they're healthy and happy and fruitful and productive. And how do you beat that? I have everything. I have everything. I'm blessed. I have everything. Wow. Okay. Just keep going. And it's just getting good, honestly, like as far as the vision, you know, it's just getting good. So thank you for being part of this because you sharing this with the audience will spread the message that I'm up to. I'm, I'm trying to create a cultural movement, mm -hmm. different way of, of looking at all, all this. And you may not agree, it's interesting to look into it and study and research and see how I find it interesting because even with the most radical feminists, right? And they always go to, oh, so you want us to like dumb it down and wiggle our asses like Marilyn Monroe. And I'm like, is that what I said? I, that's, that's, that's nowhere near anything I say. I, I don't know why you go there. That's not, I'm not trying to take you back to the 50s. That's nothing I'm saying. I'm teaching nature science and nature will work best. And again, there's a modern way to do this. All the negotiating and flexibility within. That's what I'm teaching. And when I go, I want you to think about this, kind of some of the stuff we talked about. And a feminist is ready to kill me, gets quiet. Because something resonates. I don't know exactly how, but I see it. It, they, it resonates. Like for you, you kind of, oh, right? Like every time, like it resonates and they stop talking. And they go so many times, a radical feminist wants to yell at me, wants to take me down. She thinks I'm misogynistic. I'm like, me? <laughs> I love women. I, love, I want the best for them. That's my work, misogynistic. No, right? 
but they just try to and then stop talking and they go my favorite thing they go huh, never thought it that way never thought about it that way like it resonates and they and they go good keep thinking about it you know bring it back and uh, i'll give it some more so somehow there's something profoundly real seemingly about all this so mm-hmm. made to create a movement again for women women to be happier right and to be mm-hmm. able to create bond with men really respond to you much more than you're aware of you know you bring the best out of man you bring the worst out of man it's a, it's a way to approach it respect things i talked about now same with the women but it's different so if you're not willing to do what works for men they're not going to question it they're just they're just going to step back and then they're going to abuse you or play with you because they need all that that kind of uh, that kind of connection they do with their body that's not good <laughs> right so yeah <laughs> something to think about something to think about yeah. anyway oh that was that was heavy that was heavy <laughs> Whoosh, i have you quiet you're the hostess <laughs> i have a lot to absorb the process, process. I know. if you listen to this all over again it's actually fascinating because i always watch myself again not because i want to watch myself because i watch as a as a uh, as a as a uh, audience member mm-hmm. right i could actually not even know that it's me talking i listen to the content and response and it's really fascinating because even in the moments that i'm talking like there's such a process within being in front of the camera and to watch from the outside you see a whole different perspective it's really interesting so watch this again and watch the next level that you hear and it's like watching a movie and you get the whole thing but you watch it the second time you go oh interesting i didn't notice that i didn't see that before and you watch it the third time you'll see more and fourth and fifth and sixth so you know if you want to integrate some of the stuff i talked about listen to it over and over and over again you'll you'll be surprised but then you'll own it and then your awareness with man maybe with yourself and things that you haven't thought of huh huh you start questioning how oh, we have choices what we react what you think you should do, what the culture said you did. Oh, now can you go forget what everybody's telling you, your mother culture, your teacher, what do you want in the end? What do you want? Money lane, love lane. You can't have mm-hmm. both. You can't have it all. In my world, you can't have it all, but in segments, you have to do one at a time. You can't do it all at once. So mm-hmm. interesting conversation. <sighs> Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for doing this. Because it's putting this out there, right? You just want to create a different wave. Women are miserable, unhappy. I don't want that. Men are confused. And when they're confused, they go back to being basic, basic males, basic humans. And the good part of them disappears. They're angry in a different way, in a quiet way. So now we start abusing each other because we're angry. No, it's got to stop. Mm-hmm. And the kids, the kids are basically, stop. God's willing. Thank you for your help. Thank you. So can I tell people how they can find me? Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to ask you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Because sometimes we get so into this and we forget. I, I do yeah. yeah. Where can we find you? So my website is projectequinox.net. Equinox is the perfect spot between dark and light, right? Men and women, the balance. That's what I'm teaching. So Project Equinox, E-Q-U-I-N-O-X.net, not .com. That's a different place. You'll find yourself in this... <laughs> planetary website dot net uh, and then also i offer part of my offer to thank you but to thank the listeners is they could go to this link it's andre group coaching.com andre group coaching it's easy to remember uh, you could also do it through the website but and you could i offer anybody who's curious about what i do because i have different programs to offer that to book a call so if you go to andre group coaching.com it takes you to my calendar and you want to book an hour with me, which is either for men or women, just two options. And we have a conversation like this. Me and you, 
from me and the other person about what is it that's not working, what's the trouble, what's the dream, and how it could help. So whether you work with me or not, by the way, on the other side, you know, pick a program that works for you, that call is by itself super valuable because I go typically right to the source of what happened to you when you little, that made you make a decision about yourself, life, people, the world, which is what we put on the color, you know, that whatever vision of the world we have that taints the rest of our lives. So this is my favorite thing to do because often, like I said, women thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Wrong with me? And we'll go back to childhood. There's always a moment or two that are like crucial that will make decisions. Men do the same thing. And when, you, when that happens because of whatever circumstances, it is absolutely normal to grow up and to turn out this way. So the deliberation, to understanding, to knowing, to learning that there's nothing wrong with you. It's what happened to you that made that a reality. Wow, we get it. And you see it all like from, oh, okay. So nothing wrong with you. You can play normal from what happened, what you experienced. But from here, we could change the future because if you don't take that apart and clean up your baggage, you're stuck in the loop for the rest of your life. You know, the dream is impossible, whatever you want. So now, but just that call will get you that realization itself. So it's whether you jump in or not, it's uh, something I want to contribute to your listeners who are courageous because it's a little bit tough to get on the call with a stranger and get personal. So a lot of women get really, 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 really nervous. And they go, don't be really, really, really nervous. I'm actually really easygoing. It's really fun. And it's informative as well. So, you know, just jump in, give it a try. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.